Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. If you actually ponder it, there is nothing more honorable and more glorious in this life and in the life to come than to be called of God. And in today's program, we're going to see the call of God in action to some of the most unlikely people you can imagine as we continue to walk through the Gospel of Matthew. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And we are in Matthew, Chapter 4, verse-by-verse, walking through Jesus in this great Gospel. Remember, as the title suggests, Matthew is building the case that Jesus is the Kingly Messiah. He not only, by the anointing, carries himself like a king, but also his whole life and ministry was a fulfillment of prophecy after prophecy uttered by the Hebrew prophets centuries before. And it is a glorious fact of what Jesus had done prophetically that we're reaping the benefits until now. So in this particular lesson, which is called The Call of the Disciples, we're going to see what a great honor it is to have the Son of God come to you and give you an invitation to follow Him. And by the way, the call of God isn't just limited to the gospel stories of the first century AD. God is even now calling people to follow Him in a life of service and sacrifice, knowing that whatever they sacrifice to God, He's going to give them 100 times more in this life and in the world to come everlasting life too. Not that we earn our salvation, but we respond to the call of God because we have salvation. Now, our lesson is called The Call of the Disciples, based on Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. Let me read to you just verse 19 at the moment, where he comes to Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, who were fishing at the time. And in Matthew 4.19, Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What a powerful phrase, that somehow God is going to give us the ability to win people over. Not just to some ideology or philosophy or political cause. We're going to win them over to Christ and to the kingdom that has no end. In other words, we're going to be soul winners. And there's nothing, 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 nothing more powerful than being a soul winner. In fact, it tells us in the Old Testament that he who wins souls is wise. So it is a wise thing. It's wise for the one winning the souls. It's wise for the one being won over to the cause of God and of Christ. But in order to become a soul winner, we need help. This is a partnership. We don't do this all on our own. We partner 
with God, who, as I always say, is the senior partner. And in this case, Jesus is saying, if you want to be fishers of men, first of all, you've got to follow me. The reason is because Jesus is the master fisher of men. He knew how to attract people from far and wide. No problem getting a crowd. If you thought that John the Baptist, with his preaching of repentance, got a crowd, Jesus' crowds absolutely outstripped those of John. But remember, they weren't in competition. They were actually on the same side. He's the forerunner. He's the thin edge of the wedge of a greater man to come, namely Jesus. Jesus knew how to attract people, how to win them over. And as you follow him, he'll teach you how to do likewise. So in this particular lesson, you're going to have both Peter and Andrew called. They are from the lakeside city of Bethsaida. And then after they're told to follow Jesus and he'll make them fishers of men, they immediately comply with the request. Then there are two more brothers, very important ones, James and John. They are the sons of a man called Zebedee, who obviously had a fishing business. They get the call. They drop everything in front of their father even and go and follow Jesus. It's basically they're walking off the job. You know, not even giving two weeks notice. They're walking off the job because of the high call of God that is upon their life. We don't know what motivated these brothers to do what they did, so immediately compliant to Jesus. But what we do know is that God had prompted them to do that, do it, and they wisely complied. Now let's look at the entire portion of Scripture here in Matthew chapter 4. Verses 18 to 22, the lesson is called The Call of the Disciples, and the reference again, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. This is the word of the Lord. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. The reading is from Matthew chapter 4. Verses 18 to 22, and our lesson is called The Call of the Disciples. Little background information before we proceed verse by verse in God's wonderful word. Jesus had just returned from Judea, packed his bags, and moved from his hometown of Nazareth and set up his ministry headquarters on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee in a city called Capernaum. This would be his ministry base. And he begins to preach repentance because of the coming kingdom of heaven, which he says is at hand. By the way, Capernaum is one of the obligatory sites on a Holy Land tour. Capernaum is now an archaeological site run by the Catholic Church with a beautiful, interesting church built over the ruins of Simon Peter's mother-in-law house. In addition, you can see the remains of a synagogue 
the white synagogue, beautiful ruins, dating from the 4th to 5th century A.D. We are often told that this synagogue was built on the foundation of the synagogue of Jesus, which, of course, was during the 1st century A.D. And what is nice at Capernaum, there's some interesting archaeological remains, like a millstone, reminding us of that phrase what Jesus says, if you offend one of these little ones, better that a millstone be tied around your neck and you are cast into the sea. Better to do that than to offend the little ones. Now, the millstone is made of stone. It is very heavy looking. And the sea, which Jesus is referring to, is just over your shoulder. So it's amazing how these phrases from the Bible come alive when you walk through places like Capernaum. The city of Capernaum gets its name from Kafar, K-E-F-A-R, Kafar, Nahum. Kafar is village or city, and Nahum, of course, is a Hebrew prophet. Now, whether it's the same Nahum that's in the Old Testament, we can't say. So it's basically Kafar Nahum, the village of Nahum. And that's where we get Capernaum. So he comes to Capernaum, begins his ministry, and one of the first things he does, apart from preaching, is calling the team together that would serve with him during the next few years. The call of the two brothers. Now, remember that ministry really does mean teamwork. We team up with Almighty God. We team up with the Holy Spirit. That's God in us, who fills us, leads us, empowers us, teaches us, reminds us. And we team up with other people. So, ministry is teamwork. And Jesus was no exception. He had a team around him, but he called the team together. They didn't come and apply. He went and prayed, and then he tapped them on the shoulder. He basically conscripted them. As Jesus was walking by the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw the two brothers, Simon Peter and Andrew. What were they doing? Well, they were casting their nets into the sea, since their occupation was fishing. They came from the town on the northeast corner of the Sea of Galilee, called Bethsaida. How appropriate. It means house, Beth, Seda, fish, house of fish. Bethsaida is at the foot of the Golan Heights and not far from where the Jordan River in the north flows into the Sea of Galilee. Remember that the Jordan River not only flows into the Sea of Galilee in the north, but the Jordan River flows out of the Sea of Galilee in the south. And there's a beautiful baptismal site called Yardanit, where we can have Christian baptisms, a very wonderful facility. I've used it many times. There we have, of course, the town of Bethsaida, back to where we should be. And it is on the foot of the Golan Heights, which forms the eastern boundary of the lake, where Gentiles live. The Jews in the New Testament period lived on the western shore of the lake, the Gentiles on the east. And their city was in many ways called Bethsaida Julius, where Gentiles lived as well. So Peter, very interesting. He lived near or even next to Gentiles. He may have had Gentiles over the back fence as neighbors, but Peter never, ever entered a Gentile home, even of his neighbors in Bethsaida Julius, until when? 
until the day the Holy Spirit compelled him to leave Joppa, go to the very heathen city of Caesarea, and there go to the home of a very prominent Gentile named Cornelius. It's a very inspiring story of both the gospel and baptism of the Holy Spirit being given to the Gentiles for the first time recorded, and that's again in Acts chapter 10. Well, now that Jesus had identified Peter and Andrew from Bethsaida, and they were, of course, busy doing their fishing, he gives a great command with an equally great promise, the one that we read earlier. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. As Jesus passed by them, he says to them, follow me. It's not a polite suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's not wishful thinking. When Jesus said, follow me, it was a command. But he gives the great promise. If you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So instead of catching fish, they would catch people. And they would bring these people to the only one who had the ability to save them from their sins. And to bring them to the indestructible, unshakable, everlasting kingdom of God. What we see is there is immediate compliance to the command and the call of God. As soon as Jesus uttered this command, they immediately left their nets and followed him. By getting up and leaving, this was tantamount to handing in their resignation. Wisdom is not only saying yes to the Lord, wisdom is doing so promptly. From there, in verse 21 of Matthew 4, Jesus calls two more prominent disciples. Remember, he had 12. These four are among the most highlighted. He sees two more brothers, James, the brother of John, and both of them are the sons of Zebedee. Now, this John, of course, is the author of the fourth gospel, author of three epistles, first, second, and third John, and gloriously, he's the author, humanly, of the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. This is the same John. Now, they were in a ship with their father when Jesus called them from the shore. It is not clear what these two sets of brothers knew about Jesus. Why were they so quickly responsive? Why were they willing to incur confusion, misunderstanding, anger, rejection? Perhaps because they saw Jesus' ministry in action, and that's very possible, and felt his call was just an offer too good to refuse. After all, this guy was an up-and-coming superstar, and people love success. They worship success, and they despise losers. So, as people are, they may have wanted to jump on the bandwagon. We don't know. But one thing is for sure. Once the call came forth, they wasted no time. Now, in the case of James and John, they immediately left their father and the ship in order to follow Jesus. It's interesting because in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3 and verse 17, Jesus calls them the sons of thunder, or boanerges. Why did he call them sons of thunder? It could have been a playful reference to their father, Zebedee. You see, Zebedee, like his children, like Peter and Andrew as well, like Jesus for that matter, were Galileans. They were living in a land of volcanic soil and basalt stone. 
Galileans could be very, very loyal, but Galileans could also be impetuous and hot-tempered. This was probably one of those examples. Just imagine, here's Zebedee, he's running a family business, his sons are with him, Jesus walks by, calls them, they drop everything, and immediately leave their father and the nets and the boats behind to go after Jesus. I would guess, and I may be wrong, but that Zebedee probably reacted and maybe said some things, and maybe said some things he shouldn't have, because he didn't understand why are my sons leaving me, especially in the middle of work, to follow this itinerant preacher. So that's just speculation, why they were called sons of thunder or the kind of reaction they got. But can I say, there is nothing higher, more wonderful, more awesome than to be called of God. If you have received Christ as Savior and Lord, and you know that you're born again, and you have assurance of salvation, friend, you have been called of God. Called of God for salvation, called of God for service. Everybody's called to serve God. It's just that what capacity we do, the service, varies from person to person. But the ultimate purpose of the call is the same. God is building his kingdom and blessing every person, man, woman, boy, or girl, who cooperates with him in this kingdom-building program. Remember the sobering words of Jesus that he says elsewhere in the Gospels, many are called, but few are chosen. And as I always share, what makes the difference between the many called and the few chosen? I believe what we read here in Matthew chapter 4, 18 to 22, gives us the answer. These four disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John, are not just called, they are chosen. Because the chosen not only say yes when God calls, they report for duty when God calls. They say yes to the call, they say yes to the timing. If you will do the same, you will also become part of that elite group, the chosen of God, who responded to the call and did so promptly. Our lesson is called the call of the disciples, and our lesson for life is the greatest honor and challenge you will face is to accept the call of God on your life. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and or Teach All Nations, dr.magdaly, dr.magdaly, and thank you for liking our page. Also go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter, bringing future-ready advice to your inbox with value-added content based on the Bible, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the call that you gave to the disciples and that you give to us. Help us to be wise like they were and to say yes and to respond when you call, because that's how we become your friends and that's how we become people of faith. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. 
for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 